morning, church. Good to see your smiling faces, and for those who are watching by television, glad to have you with us today, and, and uh, just grateful that we can come together and worship God in, in various places and various ways, and uh, we're excited about our time together this morning in worship. Uh, it's a beautiful day. It's a good day to be together. It's also a good day to to exalt God. We come together this morning. We're going to sing praises to Him. We're going to read Scripture and study His Word. We know that the Word of God will not return void. So while we're together this morning, we're going to be impacted by God's Word in worship. And we're looking forward to that time with you this morning. Greg's going to lead us in worship with the, the praise team here in a minute. I'm going to pray for us before we do that, though. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace on our life. Thank you for the privilege to come together this morning and worship you. Lord, you are worthy to be made much of. You're worthy of praise and adoration and love. God, you have loved us in amazing ways. We thank you, Lord, for your love. God, I pray that as we study your word today, Lord, that you'd impact our hearts. I pray, Father, as we sing, we sing to your glory. And uh, Lord, I, p- I pray your hedge of protection around us, Father. Keep us safe and healthy, and, and Lord, serving you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Greg? Would you stand? Let's turn our minds, attentions, our hearts, affection on the Lord. And whether you sing the top of your lungs or contemplate the words, let's worship Him. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the King. He the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. Come behold the wondrous mystery, he the perfect son of man, in his living, in his suffering, never trace nor stain a sin, see the true and better Adam come to save the hellbound man. Christ the great and sure fulfillment of the law, in Him we stand. For come behold the wondrous mystery, Christ the Lord upon the tree, in the stead of
In Acts, Paul writes, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let's continue on as we worship this morning, celebrating that our God saves. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. We're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. We're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing. We will rise with you, lifted on your celebrate that our God is a saving God. Amen. He didn't leave us alone to walk in darkness and to never have a relationship with him, but he's provided a way so that we could see him. It is his grace. It's his grace that has given us that forgiveness of sin so that we don't have to walk around in sin for any longer. Um, so let's continue on this morning um, with the song, Grace. 
greater than our sin. Marvelous grace. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that we can um, experience your love through your grace. Father, we can experience forgiveness through your grace. And God, that we can, we can gather together and love one another through your grace. Lord, because I know that we all, from time to time, will sin, will offend each other. But God, it's your grace that covers it all. So Lord, as we, as we enter into this time of, of hearing from you, Lord, uh, Scott comes to preach. Lord, may you speak a message to our hearts that rings true and is filled with grace, uh, Lord, so that we can be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Once again, it's good to be with you. And 
invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Psalm chapter 26. Psalm 26 will be our text for today. I'll tell you, as I was reading through the Bible this week, I hope you are, are joining us on that journey of reading chronologically through God's Word. As I was reading through there this week, I came across many things that I wanted to preach. made me cherish the days of Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, uh, where you had three opportunities to preach the text. I'm about ready to get back there to that. Amen? So uh, we will one day, and grateful that uh, we can gather those that uh, were able to come this morning and, and are health-wise are in a position where they can be here. What a privilege it is to worship together, but also what a privilege it is to have other means of communication through media and still be able to reach out on Facebook and, and YouTube and uh, TV and all those ways. I'm pr- I, I praise God that we have a way to get the gospel to the ends of the earth today. Amen? So also, um, when I was looking through what we could preach on today, I'll tell you, I came across 2 Samuel chapter 22, and oh, what a text. I mean, <clears throat> that was just, it was filled. I, maybe, it, maybe it was just for me this week, but that, that was right where I was at. I said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to have time to preach that, nor 2 Samuel 23. No, I can't do that, and Psalm 26. I didn't think you'd hang in there with me all day for that. So I said, well, this week I'm just going to take 2 Samuel chapter 22 and I'm just, going to, I'm just going to spend time every day reading that text and letting it just filter into my heart. And, and I'd encourage you as, as you walk through the Bible and as you're reading, you're going to pick up on some texts that are going to just be so influential in your life, so, so pointed for where you are. I'd encourage you to take that text, live with it, meditate in it, walk through it, and let it continue to do the work that God wants to do in your life. So we're, we're down to Psalm 26. God told me, he said, preach Psalm 26. I, I got to tell you, uh, 2 Samuel 23, I left that off. I said it at the first service. That was the text that was preached when I got saved. So I love David's mighty men, and I love studying through that and preaching on those. That, that is an amazing, Shema is an amazing guy. And uh, so anyhow, we'll, uh, we'll, maybe another day we'll talk about that. But today, I want to share with you three truths from Psalm 26 that... If you'll apply these three life-changing truths to your life, you will be enriched for it, guaranteed. So three things I want to highlight out of there, and, and I'll, I'll show you those as we walk through our time this morning. I'd invite you to stand with me, and let's read together Psalm 26, the entire chapter. Verse 1 says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor do I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit in with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders." O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not take my soul away along with sinners, nor my life with the men of bloodshed, in whose hands is the wicked scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations I shall bless the Lord. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege, God, to stand before you this morning as a congregation here and in our homes. And God, thank you that we can worship you this morning. God, knowing you have appointed this time for us today to gather, I thank you, Lord, for that. I ask you, Lord, to anoint me with your power and your word, Father, to preach so that we can uh, grow closer to you. That when we walk out of this place, Father, or, or walk away from this moment in time, Lord, our lives will be eternally changed. We know that your word will not return void. So we look for the fruit of your word to touch our life today. God, I pray through the preaching of your word that you would bring about change. Conviction where conviction needs to be. Change in our lives, Father, so that we can walk more appropriately and pleasing before you. We love you, Lord, and are grateful to be loved by you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Three things I want to show you in this. The first one comes in the first few verses here. We see David says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted 
in the Lord. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. I want to focus on that. We can place our trust completely in God. God is completely trustworthy. I can place my trust completely on God. God has made over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. So when we open up the Scriptures and we begin reading in Genesis chapter 1 and we read to Revelation chapter 22, there are over 3,000 promises, 31,000 and some changed number of verses in that complete work that I hold before me and you have before you. But over 3,000 promises that God has made to us. And God, we know God as we've read through his word and as we've lived in relationship with him, we know that he is a covenant-keeping, covenant-making God. God is always good for his promise. Amen? Do you really know that? I mean, do you, have you embraced that? Because we have a God who makes promises and he, he's good for them. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What an amazing promise from God that no matter where I go, no matter what I encounter in life, the circumstance, the situation, be it very hard or very good, I always have by my side God. I'm never alone. That is good news, church. He promised us that. And I can hold on to that. No matter what I face, I face it with God. We don't face it alone. Now, that should mean a lot of things to me. One, that gives me great comfort. And Jesus said, he says, I don't leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God to be with you, to guide you. So we have that. That's, that's awesome. It should also remind me that when I walk through life, I'm never alone. God's with me. I don't want to go certain places. I don't want to engage in certain activities. And David's talking about that later in this text that wouldn't be accommodating for the lifestyle that God's called me to. Are y'all with me? There's certain places in life that I don't need to be. There's certain places that aren't conducive for a relationship of growth with God. There's some things in my life that as I walk through life need to change in my life and your life as well. When we look at our life and analyze our life and see where are we going? God's with us. We've got that promise from God. But not only that, we've got thousands of promises of God's love for us, his journey with us, and, and ultimately he's coming back for us. I mean, we've got a God that says, hey, listen, I am going to come back. And I'm going to receive you to myself. I mean, John 14 tells us that. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If we're not so, I'd have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm coming back, he says. We've got a God that says, I'm coming back. And, and you know that what he has not done, the promise he's not delivered on yet. Because the timing is not correct. It's not his time yet. The Father's not sent the Son. He has not returned yet. But he is coming. And I've got the basis of all these promises that he has promised me. And, and I can look back and see all the promises of God's promises, knowing that he's been good for them, knowing he'll be good for that one. So God's coming back. We've, we've got his promises that he's made to us. Let me ask you, how often do you spend time thinking about the promises of God and letting that work into your life? You know, I just want to think through some promises that God's made. He said, never leave me, never forsake me. That should shape me. That should direct me. I've got a covenant-keeping, loving God who wants to be in a relationship with me. That, that should shape me. He says he loves me. He says, I'm, I'm saved by grace, not by works, not by anything I've done. I would boast about that. I'm saved by his grace. He's promised that all that call upon his name shall be saved. That's good stuff. So I've got these promises of God. And, and we, I just wonder how often we sit down and think about the promises that God's, that God's made in our life. And why don't we know more completely about those promises and, and look to God to fulfill those promises in our life? God's a promising God, and, and he's made these promises. But not only is he a promising God, he's a providing God. God has provided for his people. When we look back through the text that we've read and we think about the Israelites as they journeyed through the wilderness, God provided for them. God provides for us. 
He loves us. We are his children. He, he's not spun this world into motion and just backed off and said, boys and girls, have fun. But he is a very relational, involved God who says, I'm going to provide for the crown of my creation, humanity. Now, we didn't do anything to deserve that, but God chose it to be that way and said, in all that I've created, I see Adam and Eve, that first couple, as the crown of my work, and I'm going to be a part of their life, and I'm going to offer them an opportunity to be a part of mine. What an amazing God we have. He's a provider. I want to read a few scriptures to you. Just think through these. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 says this. They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And, they went, and when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and he will establish you. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. Jehoshaphat is standing before the people. He's saying, you know, don't put your trust in the things of this world, not in your flesh, not in your abilities, not in your possessions. Put your trust in God. And every time we see in the Bible where people trusted in God, God provided for them. When we see people trusted in their own selves, well, they had themselves to depend on, didn't they? I love the book of Joshua, and when we get there, that's probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. I've got like 66 good ones that I really love, and they're my favorites. My wife says, you always say that's your favorite verse. I say, well, it's hard to pick, right? So when we think about the Word of God, we think about Joshua, we think that we, we have to remember that Joshua, when he led out with the Lord going before him, he was very successful. When he listened to the Lord, he trusted in the Lord, he put the Lord first in his life, and he followed after God. God went before him. They had the visual of the cloud of, of fire at night, the pillar of cloud of fire at night, and the pillar of cloud of, during the day that went before them. God visibly went before them. But when they stepped out on their own and went their own direction, what happened? Well, they utterly destroyed. I mean, they, they didn't do well. It didn't work out. Is anything different today? When we follow hard after God, when, we're, when we listen and trust His promises and we go, go faithfully and go fervently after God and we let God go before us and we follow hard after Him, things, things work out. But when we go out on our own and we blaze our own trail, it's very difficult. Not only is that Second Chronicles 20, I want to share a psalm with you. Psalm 9, verse 10 says this. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. Those, this is what the psalmist is saying. For those who know your name, they'll put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. We see several places in Scripture where it says, If we seek the Lord, we'll find him. If we, if we go looking for the Lord, we'll find him. First Chronicles 28, 9 says, If you seek me, you'll find me. Jeremiah 29, 14 says, If you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. 13 says that. So we, we have that direction in our life where, where if we look to God, if we go hard after God, we'll find him. And, and here, the psalmist is saying that. You put your trust in God. He's not going to forsake you. Chapter 37, verse 5 of Psalm says this, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. When we commit our way to the Lord, and we trust Him, He'll do it. That's what Scripture's saying. He may not do what you want Him to do. How many of you really want God to do what you want Him to do? Have you thought about that? I really want God to do what He wants to do. I don't need God to be my co-pilot. I want him to be my pilot. I want him to lead the way. He's not playing second chair. He's got to have first chair. And I want him to have that position in my life. Why? Because I can trust him. I can trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We could hang out here all day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. 
Trust in the Lord. It begins with trusting in the Lord. The first service, I took a bit of time here, and I prayed through that, that verse of Scripture. What, you, you, you want to pray through Scripture. I'm telling you, folks. God speaks through Scripture. And when we read Scripture, we talk to God. The way we communicate with God, a great way to communicate with God is God speaks to us through the text. We hear the text. We listen to it. It's part of the conversation. And we respond to God about what he said in his text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lord, I, I trust. But a lot of times I find myself trusting in other things. Trusting in what the government says. Trusting in what people say. Trusting in polls. Trusting in things around me. Trusting in the influences of this world. Lord, I, I really want foundationally, number one, to be my trust in you. Because it says trust in the Lord. And Lord, Lord, I really find myself falling aground and, and being confused when I trust in other things because there's so many different opinions today. Can, can you give an amen on that one? I mean, are you confused a little bit in this world today? I mean, you can hear just about anything you want to hear. You can listen to just about anything you want to listen. Everybody's got an opinion. They don't mind telling you about it. But if we trust in the Lord, that's the beginning of a firm foundation. We trust in the Lord. With all our heart, Lord, I, you know, wow, Lord, my heart, sometimes, whew, sometimes my heart is trusting in you, and sometimes my heart is trusting in other things. And, and, and sometimes it's not just all of my heart, sometimes it's some of my heart. Lord, help me to put all of my heart towards you instead of some of my heart towards you. You see where I'm going with this? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understandings. I, I mean, if we just look at the polls... 83% of the popular opinion polls said, do not go into the promised land. You remember those 12 spies that came back? Ten of them said, don't do it, don't do it, we can't do it. Two of them said, we can do anything with God, let's go. So they listened to the popular opinion polls and they didn't go. And they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Now you apply that wherever you need to in your personal life. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes we can miss things when we focus on ourselves. But when we put God in front of us and we seek his wisdom. Why? Because he's trustworthy. We can trust him. He's a God of promise. That's what David's telling us. Listen, I've lived my life. Trust in the promises of God. Now, has, does that mean he's been perfect? We know David wasn't perfect. We know he made some missteps in his life. You've made some in yours. I've made some in mine. But in, when it comes down to it, David trusted the promise of God because he knew God to be a promise keeper. He also trusted in the provisions of God because God was a provider for David. David had been provided for by God time and time and time again. See, David, not only did he trust his promises and recognize that God was a provider, he knew God because he had proven his character to him. God has a proven character. God's character should not be in question here today. God is consistent. The only consistent thing we've got in our life in this world is God and his character. But he is consistent and he has proven his character. So when we think about this, David's saying, hey, vindicate me, O Lord. I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Can I ask you, have you trusted in the Lord without wavering? Or would you say that your life has wavered some in your trust of God? Can I just invite you today to look at God and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry I've not trusted in you in all things. But I want to trust in the Lord with all my heart today. Lean not on my own understanding. All my ways I want to acknowledge you. I know you'll direct my paths. I look to you, God, not to me. David even says after that in verse 2, he says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. Will you give God that invitation today? Would you give God the invitation to say, Lord, look at my life. Search me. You know me, Lord, better than anybody. There's nobody in the room, nobody in the world that knows me like you know me. So, Lord, why don't, why don't you search me, try me, test my mind and my heart. And, Lord, show me the things in my life that need to change. There are things in our lives that need an adjustment every now and then. Can I get an amen? I like to be brought back in line. 
And I don't mind looking at God and saying, God, I'm not, I've not got all this figured out. I need your constant direction in my life. So, Lord, as you look at my life today, will you guide me? I know you will, so show me. Would you give me the eyes to see what you see about my life so that I can correct that and get on track? Because I'd rather live under the blessing of God, knowing I'm living in his promise, than I had ever live apart from it. So as we, we see David, he's there. He's, he's like, examine me, test me. I want to I be right where you want me to be. David trusted completely in the Lord. So that would be my first point. And I've got to ask you, do you trust completely in the Lord? The second thing we see is in verse 3, we can walk in the truth daily. Verse 3 says, for your loving kindness is before my eyes and I have walked in your truth. David's saying, I've walked in your truth. I, I'm not... I'm not, this is not just lip service. I'm not just saying these things. My life has a proven record, a track record. I have walked with you. Now, there's, there are many bestsellers in this world. There are many books, self-help books, many books we could read. There's the number one bestseller is the Bible. I don't know that it's the number one read, but it's the number one bestseller. The way we walk in the truth of God is to know the truth of God. The only way we're going to know the truth of God is to study the truth of God. We need to study God's Word. Psalm 119, 105 says, I've hidden your Word in my heart, O God, that I may not sin against you. That's important. I, I need the Word of God in my life. You need the Word of God in your life. You need to put it in. You need to let it filter into your life. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 talks about how to train up a child. You should teach these words. And that, that teaching there is like penetrate their heart. Give it all you got, parents, to be sure your children hear the Word of God. Let it touch their life. 2 Timothy two fifteen. Study to show yourself approved. We need to study the Word of God. Luke 6.45 says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that which comes in comes out. Can I tell you that? Do you know that? What you put in your life comes out of your life. The overflow of what's coming in, what you're allowing in, and the eye is the lamp of the body. You've got to be careful what you let in. But when we take the Word of God and we lay the Word of God before us, we have the truth and we need that truth to come into our life. And we need to examine our life by the truth of God's Word. And we need to walk in that truth. It, it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, we're, we're an illiterate. By, biblically, we're an illiterate society. I remember hearing about little Johnny. He was in Sunday school one Sunday morning. And the Sunday school teacher was talking about the walls of Jericho. And she said, little Johnny, do you know anything about those walls at Jericho? And he said, I, I know this. I, I, I have no part in it. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't even there. That disturbed the, the Sunday school teacher. She thought that little Johnny may have a little more biblical understanding about the walls of Jericho. So um, she on the, the, the Sunday school teacher on the way out caught mom in the hallway and said, I was talking about the walls of Jericho being torn down today. And I was a little distressed because when I shared that with little Johnny and I asked him if he knew anything about it, he said he, knew it, he didn't have nothing to do with it. He, he wasn't there. He, he tried to blame it on other people. She said, that disturbed me. And uh, Mama looked at the teacher and said, well, I can tell you one thing. My son said he had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with it. Guaranteed. <laughs> so that really bothered the Mama. I mean, that really bothered the teacher that the Mama felt that way and didn't have any more biblical understanding than that. So um, that later that week, the, the Sunday school teacher had some business in town and happened to be in the office of the father to little Johnny. And he just brought it up in that conversation, said, you know, we were talking about the walls of Jericho on Sunday being torn down, just going through that with uh, your kid this week. And when I mentioned it and asked little John if he knew anything about it, he said he had, had no idea, had nothing to do with it, guaranteed he wasn't there and wasn't involved and pointed his fingers at others. And um, the daddy slipped back in his seat a little bit, pulled out the drawer and the desk and pulled out a checkbook, threw it up on the table and said, uh, if you'll tell me how much them walls cost, I'll pay you now. You see how biblically illiterate we can be. Now, I know that's just a joke. But in reality, I think a lot of times we know about, more about culture and more about popular opinion than we do about God's Word and applying that to our life. We have a God of truth. 
We have a God who promises and is trustworthy. We can trust the Lord. We can, we can make His Word a foundation of our life. And, and we're called to walk in His truth daily. And, and Psalms 26 is revealing that to us. David, David walked in the truth of God. It's as if the psalmist in Psalm 1, 1 don't blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers his delight is in the law of the lord and in it he meditates day and night what are we meditating on what's consuming our thoughts what are we what are we focusing our life on the psalmist says man, i meditate on the word and the word brings truth into my life and a foundation in which I can stand on. And we need that in our life. And David understood that. The, the, the walking in the truth with God led him down a different path. It, it, it settled his fears. It steadied him in a firm foundation. He, he knew that he was eternally secure and that God was a promise keeper. So he had that foundational principle in his life. And every one of us need that. We need the truth of God in our life. It needs to be our foundation. And we need to live in that. He says that it also resulted in a change for him. Look at verse 4. It says uh, Verse 3 at the end says, And I've walked in your truth. What was the result of that? Verse 4, he says, I do not sit with deceitful men nor do I go with pretenders I hate the assembly of evildoers and I will not sit with the wicked four things right there David says that because I have trusted the promises of God and because I've I have focused my life on the truth of his word I don't do these things it puts direction in my life. I don't find myself in the wrong crowd being influenced by the wrong people. I'm influenced by God. It sets me in a different place. Look what it did for him. It, it did that. It kept him from a lot of struggles there. But he also says, I shall wash my hands in innocence. I will go about your altar, O Lord, and proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare your wonders. In other words, he wants to be in the presence of God, and it positions him, positions him to where he can praise God. The truth of God's word, foundationally in David's life, and if I can be so personal to say the truth of God's word, foundationally in your life, will position you to where you can praise him and long for his presence. Take the truth of God's word out of your life. Dismiss the promises of God. And there's a different course of action in your life. So, two truths so far. I mean, when we, we see what, what David said here, he says, trusted in the Lord. He trusted in God. He, he walked with God. He trusted God's promises completely. He walked in God's truths daily. And then we see verse 8. We should love the Lord absolutely. Love the Lord absolutely in our life. The love of God has been lavished on us. We have, we have the privilege of walking in a relationship with the creator of this universe. Isn't that cool? A, a real relationship with God. I'm still not over that, folks. I, I've been walking with God now for 17 years, and in 17 years, I haven't gotten over getting over getting saved. Amen? I hope you aren't either. I'm so excited that Jesus looked down from heaven and thought, I thought I was pretty worthless, but he thought I was pretty important. I'd made some horrible decisions. He said, the past is the past i got a future for you. And he made a difference in my life. And I felt the love of God. I remember the first days of my life being saved. I remember I didn't really know what to do. I was like, what do I do? I mean, I'm saved. And, and yes, I, I felt a difference in my life. But I knew that meant I needed to equip myself. So I said, what do I do? One of my buddies came alongside of me. I, I got two great friends. I've told you about this. I get a text from them almost every day. One of them and every day another one that encourages me. I mean, for 17 years, I've gotten a text. That's pretty cool. Um, so always texting me, encouraging me, 
in Scripture. And um, one of them told me, uh, Ray told me, he said, what, I said, what do I do? He said, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I just picked up the Gospels. And I began reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I read Matthew like four times in a row. And I'm not a reader. I'd read Where the Red Fern Grows and Old Yeller before that. But that was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were my, the other books those I was adding to my, my list. And as I read Matthew four times, I think the fourth, third or fourth time I read it, one of the things that leapt off the page for me was the love of Jesus for people. I should have got it the first time. I get it. So, but as I read God's Word, I began to notice Luke, John, all that continually showed that Jesus loved people. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He loved me enough. He loved you enough to die on a cross at Calvary to pardon the sin debt that you and I owe. What a loving God. I ain't got a best friend in this world that would do that for me, that would die for me. I'm pretty sure I've got some guys that would say they'd take a bullet for me, but let the gun get cocked. I'd run too. (laughs) But Jesus went to the cross for us. He loves us that much. What an amazing God we have that loves us. Life, life can easily get out of balance and, and we, can, we can lose our focus. But when we trust in God, when we walk in His truths daily, we begin to embrace His love, His amazing love, extraordinarily in our life. God loves us. And He, he says in verse 3, He says, For your loving kindness is before my eyes. David knew God's love. He he saw the love of God. He understood the love of God. I'm going to tell you, the root of being a good person is to understand the love of God. You, You cannot know love until you know the love of God. I'm just... I don't know any other way to tell you that. You may say, I'm, I'm not saved, but man, I love my wife. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm here to tell you today, you can't love your wife the way God's called you to love your life with a true love if you don't know Jesus and hadn't experienced that love. Because most of us, we, we gauge love based on our past experiences and the way we've been loved by folks that are rightly so messed up a lot of times i mean they don't know how to love either but when we've been loved by jesus and we experience the love of jesus then we know what true love really is and then there's a real gauge for love does that make sense god gives us the gauge for love we know what love is when we've been loved by god the church of ephesus less left that first love they they ended up going down in the wrong direction because they left the love that first love they had So when I read this text, I see David's love for God as well as when I read about his whole life, I see his love for God and and I'm I'm compelled by that love. I'm I'm compelled by the love he has for God and God has for him and and, and I see how much he loved God and and, and I say, well, you know what? I want to re-engage. I want to continually re-engage that love of God in my own life. And, and for you, it may be that you're, you go back to that love. You see that love of God. You experience that love of God on a daily basis. Or maybe you've never experienced the love of God. God wants you to know he loves you. And all you have to do is call upon his name to begin the journey of understanding that great love that he has for you. David says he loved the habitation of God's house. He says, I love the habitation of your house, verse 8. And the place where your glory dwells. David so loved God that he wanted to be where God was. He really did. He wanted to be right where God was. He didn't want to be separated from God. He wanted to be with God. Now, where is God? Where is God? God's everywhere. God's not contained in a house made by hand. Scripture tells us that. But John 15 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, I'll abide in you. So the Lord abides in us. So where is the Lord? As a saved person, the Lord dwells inside of me. He's with me. Where do I want to be? I want to be where he is. I want to worship him. I want it to be a part of my life. 
loving him, worshiping him. That's what they were saying. I want to be where I can worship you. I want to be right, right where you are. And, and I want that not just for me. David wanted that for everybody that was around him to experience the love of God. I invited a guy to church last night. Uh, we, were, we were texting back and forth. and He's not engaged in church. Hadn't been in a long time. And, and uh, I don't think he ever has maybe uh, from our previous conversations we've had that were kind of short about church. But I just kind of opened up the, the idea of him coming to church this morning. And, um, you know, I didn't ask him to come to church because we needed more numbers here or because of any other reason you may think other than I know the love of God and I know what God's done in my life. And not only do I want to continually experience that love, I want others to experience that love. And if I meet somebody that's lost or I meet somebody that's not in a relationship with Jesus, it's a passion on my heart to see them have what I have in Jesus. Because what God's done in my life and what God's done in every other person that's saved in their life wasn't just for them. It wasn't because they were so special or so deserving. It was because he is so loving and so amazing. And he offers and extends that love to every one of us. No matter what circumstance we're in, situation we're facing, the love of God is available to you. God loves us. And I'm telling you, when we know the love of God, it makes loving others easy. It really does. The more we know about the love of God, and the more we recognize that we lived unlovable lives before God, the more we want to love other people. It's hard to love, though, if you've never been loved. If you've never been loved by God, if you've never experienced that love, it's hard to hard to know that love but it's available to you how do we how do we achieve where we need to be in life well one we have to understand that god is trustworthy we can trust him with our life we can we can completely trust him and and not only do we completely trust him but we take the truths of his word which are the foundation of the character of who he is and we we study that word and we we walk by his truths daily and then we experience his love amazingly in our life, abundantly in our life, continually in our life, when we walk in his truths and we trust his promises. So let me ask you a question. Do you trust God completely? I'm not talking about just most of the time or some of the time. Do you completely trust the creator of this universe that he is who he says he is, did what he said he did, and is going to do what he says he's going to do. Do you truly trust him? And have you allowed him to be the authority in your life? Do you walk in his truths daily? Is your life shaped and fashioned such that you, you long for his word, you understand the foundation it is, and you want to live in his truths daily? And do you love God? Absolutely with all your heart see scripture says the greatest command is love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul and the greatest is like it to uh, the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself so if the greatest command is to love god and the next jesus sums it up and says love your neighbor it's hard to love your neighbor if you don't know the love of god but when we know the love of god when we when we walk in his truths, when we, we apply the truths of God's word to our life, when we trust God completely in our life, then we experience the love of God freely and fully in our life. I don't know where you are in that conversation of relationships. Surely crowds this size are people at different places. But I want you to know today, today, right now, forget about the past. Forget about who you've been, where you've been, what you've done. God loves you longs for a relationship with you he can be truly trusted in your life today you can walk faithfully in his promises going forward and the truth of his word and you can experience his love lavished on your life continually going forward it's your decision where you want to be in the days weeks months and years to come and i believe today sets that course father we love you we thank you for your love we pray, God, that as you have spoken to our hearts with your word from David today in Psalm 26, God, that we will leave this place uh, not forgetting soon.
what we've heard, but God, we will seek you with all of our heart. Lord, we will recognize that we can trust you. Might not be able to trust people around us. This world is unsettled. We don't know what we can believe in this world, but we know we can believe you. We can trust you. Your promises are true. We can walk daily by the truths of your scripture and apply those to our lives. And we can experience your love abundantly in our life. Move in our heart right now in this time of invitation. Let us accomplish what needs to be accomplished for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this time of invitation here in the sanctuary, we're going to be down front, some pastors, if you'd like to join us. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you about what's going on in your life. If you'd like to come and pray at the altars, you have that privilege as well. If you will stand with me at home, we'd encourage you to pray and use this time uh, to make some real decisions with Jesus. And also let us know how that goes, how we can pray for you and walk with you continually. You move as God leads.
Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Good to see your smiling faces and uh, grateful that we can worship Jesus in this context today. Hey, um, I want to make you aware of a couple that's joining our church today, and uh, we're grateful for the Langley family, Zach and Hannah Langley, join our church today. So, hey, why don't y'all sit down just for a minute so you can see them and clap as you're sitting, yeah. <laughs> Turn around, let them see who you are. This is Zach. And in case you haven't met Zach, Matt, Zach is our, our student pastor here. So he kind of came right at the begin, at the end of a tornado and, and at the beginning of COVID-19. So we haven't been able to really celebrate Zach's coming. But uh, what an uh, interesting start to ministry, right, brother? <laughs> so we're looking forward to some awesome years together. They have three boys, and uh, they are 11 months old, 3 years old, and 5 years old. Or 12 months, is, it, is he a year? Birthday's Wednesday, so we'll have a one-year-old, three-year-old, and a five-year-old. So we are grateful for their ministry, and we bless you together as you serve Jesus here at First Baptist, and we look forward to the years of fruit to see. So um, also, we, we want to tell you tonight, today, um, if you would, as you get ready to leave, there's opportunities for you to give to First Baptist. We don't pass the plate right now. Things are a little bit different. You understand that. You're socially distanced well. And, uh, but we've got a plate on the uh, offering, uh, the uh, front table here. There's an offering plate here. There's one in the balcony. And then there's two in the back. If you go out those back doors, there's two little cherry boxes you can put your offering in. And there's also one at our welcome center. That one kind of gets huddled up. So if you, want, if you don't want to be around crowds, uh, maybe you'll pick one of the others and uh, drop those off. And uh, we'll continue to share the love of Jesus around this world and do the ministries that we do as a, as a team together. Uh, we're touching our town, we're touching the nations, and I'm grateful we get to do that together. We've uh, done our very best to keep you safe when you are here. We've wiped down every handrail, every door facing, every pew, every pew back. We've even taken out all of our Bibles and all of our literature that we would give out to you. And normally there's a blue card there if you're a guest here today. And you're worshiping with us, and we'd love to know who you are. We'd love to pray for you. If there's a prayer request, we'd love to know that. You can go online at uh, First Baptist Cookwell's website, fbccookwell.org, and you can look at our website. There, there's an online experience where you can register as a guest here today. We'd love to know you're here. Tomorrow morning, our staff will get together, and we'll pray. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for those that have prayer requests, if you'll turn those in. That's one thing that's been hard during this time, we, we were getting a bunch of prayer requests, and we could be connected in that way, and that's kind of diminished a little bit here lately. So you'd bless, you'd bless the hound out of us pastors if you'd uh, go on there and tell us some things we can pray for. We'd love to know how we can pray for you. We love you, and we care deeply for you. Thank you so much for coming today and being here. Thank you for tuning in online or on TV today. Uh, we look forward to today when we can worship freely again. Uh, understanding this COVID-19 is a real deal and it can affect many people. Those who are sick or have underlying conditions and need to stay home, we, we understand that. We embrace you and uh, we're here for you. If there's anything we can do to minister to those at home, please let us know. We, we Good grocery buyers or whatever you need, we'll rake the yard. There's a lot of things we can do to help you out. I just got a lot of work. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> I didn't say mow the grass. <laughs> but we'll, we'll help you out any way we can. Really, we, we love people and want to serve if you'll just let us know how we can serve you, please let us know. We'll, we'll reach out to you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll dismiss. Jesus, thank you for loving us, watching over us. Go with us as we go out these doors, Lord, and as we leave our homes. Let us uh, have in our heart your word and let it transform our lives before you. Make the changes in us, God, you need to, so we can be the men and women you've called us to be. May we be light in a dark world salt and make a difference in jesus name amen hey last week i dismissed in groups i'm going to trust that you can socially distance if you feel like you need a little more space you're welcome to stay in your pew until things kind of cl clean out a little bit but if you would like to all go at one time i just ask you to try